I don't know if they still have this. You know, I know that a lot of you younger folks, you're probably going, you know what, he's going to start on one of those. I don't know if they still have this, and it's going to be something that they don't have anymore. But um, I don't know if they still have this, but they used to have in the Nashville paper, they had a section that was called Scene About Town. And what it was, it was about people who were famous, famous people. And of course, you know that in Nashville, there's a lot of recording artists and a lot of famous people are seen around town. And they would tell, you know, which restaurants they were attending and all of that sort of thing. And uh, I remember that I was surprised one um, time in the paper to find that I was listed in that group of people that was seen about town. Now, that's not a surprise. It shouldn't have been such a great surprise because there was a lady in my church who actually wrote that column. And so when she saw me at this restaurant, she included me in that. Uh, I, I don't think anybody cared. I mean, I'll be very honest. I mean, I did get mentioned with some very famous people. I didn't even know they were there. But quite frankly, I did get mentioned with those famous people. I, I thought maybe people would think I knew them, but I didn't. But the thing is, is that I think she did it as a joke in the first place. So, you know, it was that sort of thing. But, you know, when you look at the scriptures themselves, and if you were to be one of those people that your name was listed in the scriptures, think about that. And I'm not talking about your name, Michael, or your name, you know, some name that's in the Bible. You're named after somebody in the Bible. I'm talking about you are that very person that is named in the Bible. That's one of the reasons that I am. I I tell people we don't need to skip over the names. We don't need to skip over the names because I believe, one, that the Bible is God-inspired and it would make sense that if it's listed in there, we ought to find out a little bit about these people. Now, that doesn't mean that when I read the begats and I'm going to preach on it, I go through every name and I, I make sure everybody can spell it and say it correctly or even know anything about those people because sometimes I just don't go there and I will not go there in the next uh, few weeks because there's like 26 more people uh, mentioned after this person that I'm going to uh, mention today. But when I look at that, I think, you know, sometimes we've got to have those people that are there and they're there so that we might emulate them. We might do what they did. They were very important people in the Bible and they, uh, we need to do the things that they did. And the case that we're dealing with today is this lady named Phoebe. And I, when I was reading, it's funny, this morning I came in and I always go over my sermon and I always check a few things because, I mean, uh, it's, I'm not beyond being wrong. I mean, I, I, so I check a few things. Uh, and I, but I have to tell you that I'm, uh, I'm pretty sure that most people have been wrong sometime in their life. And so I check on a few things. And I was reading this one. Uh, this guy wrote uh, this book and it's called All the Women in the Bible. And, and he wrote, he says, uh, Phoebe, we don't know much about her. And I went, well, you've got to be joking. We know a lot about this woman. Now, you may never have heard her name before and never realized who she was. But let's look and see what we can find about this lady named Phoebe. Chapter 16 of Romans, verse 1. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Kincrea. Now, that's the way you say it, folks. I know what it looks like, but that's the way you say it. Uh, That you may... Welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you for she has become or she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. What do we know about this lady? Well, Paul begins by saying Phoebe was a sister in the Lord. 
Now, he doesn't say that for a lot of other people. In fact, the next 26 people that we're going to go into, and uh, starting in March, because I'm going into patience next week and starting a, a series on patience. But the thing about it is, is that he doesn't take those others and he says, oh, this is a brother so-and-so and this is sister so-and-so, and goes on through this. It's a designation that he's giving very carefully to this lady named Phoebe. He's using this word as a qualifier. We know that she was not just a believer. She was a follower of Jesus Christ. We know that because of the way he, he addressed her. She was a follower and not merely a fan. You see, some people who call themselves Christians are fans but not followers. I will tell you, there's been a lot of times that I've been called on to do a funeral of somebody. A funeral for somebody that has never really done anything, if you understand what I'm saying, uh, in the name of the Lord. I mean, they may have a sticker on the back of their car, and they have, one time they may have worn a Jesus shirt, but quite frankly, they're just fans. They've done nothing but that. And I've I've had to do the funeral for these people, and I'm going to tell you, I've been grasping at straws sometimes to come up with some proof that they went to heaven. And honestly, I don't know it. I don't know it for anybody to tell you the truth. But quite frankly, I don't even have any evidence for some of these people. I will tell you what happens though. If you're not a believer and you pull the wool over our eyes, you come to church, but you really are not a follower of Jesus Christ. You're just a fan. When you die, we'll make up something about how you went to heaven and we'll still have fried chicken and potato salad afterwards. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. But quite frankly... I've been, I've been looking at that and I said, you know, there's a lot of people, they're not followers. They're merely fans and nothing more. Now, we've got to determine when they're a fan and when they're a follower. And the reason is, it's not for judgment's sake. We're not judging people in this. We need to know whether or not we need to witness to these people. If they're just fans, they're not really followers. And if they're not really followers, they're, they're really not believers. This is the case for us. And we've got to recognize that. And so when you have a one person that's a fan only, you need to tell them about who Jesus really is. Not, not, uh, not the way that a lot of fans come up with Jesus. You know, they make up a lot of stuff about Jesus. You know, because fans give attributes to their idols that are just not true. They're not true. You ever heard somebody say something about so-and-so and and that's because it's it's an idol and they must have... Let me give you a few of them. I'm going to tell you right up front. Jesus does not help those who help themselves. He does not help those who help themselves. Do you understand? Jesus helped those who couldn't help themselves. We couldn't get our salvation except from Jesus Christ. We couldn't work our way to salvation. So Jesus helped those who couldn't help themselves. Jesus does not heal all who pray in the name of Jesus. And sometimes some people say it's like the magic words. If I can say in the name of Jesus, then it's going to happen every time. And that's just not true. It's not a magical incantation that we have with Jesus. That's what a fan will think, but not what a follower thinks. And Jesus will not make you rich if you make him rich. I don't care what the evangelist on TV said. 
He's not out to make you rich. By the way, folks, Jesus owns it all anyway. I don't know how you're going to make him rich anyway. But I'm just telling you what I'm saying here. What people will say, and, and Jesus didn't say, ask not what your country can do for you. Well, ask what you can do for your country. It's not from Jesus. I can tell you that's not where it came from in the first place. So let me say this to you. Fans make up these things. They really don't know Jesus. So what they do is they create an image of Jesus. That is just not true. And fans are fickle. Fans are fickle. Fans will say, I will be devoted to Jesus up to a point. I'll go to church, but only up to a point. I will, I'll give up to a point. I will serve up to a point. You see, what happens when you're a fan? You leave Jesus when things get tough. Did you know that the majority of the people that live in St. Louis are no longer Cardinal fans or Rams fans? Do you know that? And why are they no longer Cardinal fans and Rams fans? They moved and left them is what happened. And they're not fans, but that's all they were. They were fans. Guess what? If you played on the team, you went with the team. That's what happened. You were a follower. You went with the team. See, a follower of Jesus is a follower regardless of the circumstances. It doesn't matter what happens. See, those who turn on him when things get a little bit tough... They're just fans, and I've heard this so many times. I went to church. Why did bad things happen to me? I'm not going to church anymore. I've heard that so many times. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. You know, that's just a fan. A fan is a follower regardless of what is going on. Phoebe is not merely a fan. Phoebe is the lady that Paul has given this letter to carry to the Roman church. She would be the one who would carry this letter. And this meant she had to make a commitment and she had to make a very hard task. And she didn't say, no, I'm not going to do that. She was a follower and did exactly what she was supposed to do. When I was in seminary, my last semester in seminary, I went to the placement office because I wanted to, you know, you go to seminary, you think maybe I ought to go and serve in a church. And so I thought I could get placed. That's not really the way it happened in the first, for me at all. I mean, God worked and got me into a place without having anything to do with the, with the placement office. But, but what happened was, is that I, I, I filled out this form and in this form, it came down to a spot and it said, is there any place you're not willing to serve? And they actually put places that you could check off. And I said, I missed it somewhere in seminary. Where did they ever say that I could say, Jesus, I will follow you except there. I'll do anything you want except that. Sounds like a meatloaf song, doesn't it? You know, I'll do anything you want, but I won't do that. And you see, that was the... That was where I was going. I said, how did that even come into seminary? They shouldn't even be able to say that. However... While we were interviewing for Brett's position, we interviewed a guy and his wife said, we're not coming because we're not leaving within 300 miles around here because my parents live here. And that was it. I said, well, why did that guy even interview with us is what I wanted to know. The truth is, is that I think he may have been a follower. I'm not so sure for her. You see, a fan says, I'll only go so far. See, only fans get to choose where they will serve. 
Only fans get to choose where they will serve. For there's no limit for the follower. There is not a limit at all for the follower. Phoebe was a deacon at the church in Kincraai. Now, I know that it says in this translation she was a servant. I heard that up front. And here's what happens. If people have read into this, what they read into it is women can't be deacons, so therefore we got to say servant, even though it's the exact same word when we say deacons. I say that there's no integrity in that. It's no integrity. If you're going to let that word stand for what it stands for, let the word stand for what it stands for. She was important to the church at King Crea. King Crea is about five miles south of Corinth on the coast. She, was valued, she valued church. The church valued her. And what has happened here is she had become a deacon in this church. And I'm not going to go in, I'm not going to get into the weeds and go through all of this. Uh, and I will tell you, I used to be on the, the other side of this. And I'm going to tell you what, I'm now on this side because I have read through the New Testament. And I've seen so many times where there's the use of, of women and how they, are, how they become leaders in the church. And how they become deacons in the church. And I've, I've seen the things, I've looked at the gifts, I've looked at everything else. And I'm going to tell you the truth. I came through the process of saying if I don't understand this passage over here and I see that they're practicing something else over here I got to look at the practice and say I think they understood these statements over here I need to re-understand these statements over here and what uh, what people have done is they they said we understand these statements over here and we're going to make all the practice now look like they fit these statements over here and they just don't do it they don't do it and I've, I've tried and I've tried and finally I said you know what I'm at an age I'm not going to be the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. And guess what? I can do what I want to do now. I can do what I believe the Bible actually says, and I can actually give the translation that the Bible actually says, and I really don't care if they get upset with me because I'm, be I'm not going to be a candidate anyway. Never was going to be, but this is the first. I've got to tell you, this is, I'm giving you what the Bible says, and I want to give you what the Bible says. For the, I'm just telling you this is the truth. The first century church recognized women as leaders. That's absolutely the truth. And I can go through here and I can bring them out all the way through and see how they were using uh, the women or having the, the women become the leaders in the church and see the things that are going on there. And I was interviewed one time. This was a long time ago. So I don't remember the church and I don't remember what. And they said, do you believe in women deacons? I remember that. And I said, well, I believe that every Baptist church has women deacons. Just some of the Baptist churches have chosen not to ordain them. That's all it is to it. Because if we had not had women in our churches, we would not have churches. Let's be honest with it. It took all of the people and all of the gifts and all of the people getting together and, and working together on this. And Phoebe was a deacon in the church. She was a leader in the church. Phoebe was a widow, too. You know, she's not mentioned with a man. You see this. Well, if she had a believing husband, he would have been listed with her. There's no doubt that Paul would have said, you can't go by yourself. You're going to go with your husband. I mean, there may have been others that went with her, but quite frankly, it wouldn't have, it would, he would have listed it. Of course, then if you say, well, then she, if she had an unbelieving husband, there's no way in the world that an unbelieving husband could have had a wife that was doing the things that Phoebe had done. And in any reasonable way, we could come up with that idea. 
So the situation is, she was a widow. It's the only thing that makes any sense. She was a widow. And Paul said, you know, widows must be steadfast in their faith. In fact, he urged widows to be just like him, unmarried. Why? So that they could spend their time on the ministry of the church, doing the ministry in the church, which is what Phoebe did. I heard a lady one time say, you know, it was a widow, and I said something to her about her, you're going to get remarried. She was an older lady, and she said, I don't want any old man around me. She said, he's just looking for a purse or a nurse. And I said, well, that's one way of looking at it. (laughs) It's true. So the situation was, is that she didn't have a husband to be concerned with, and she could take this task upon herself. Phoebe was generous. Another thing we know about her. She was a benefactor, or what they said, a patron of Paul and the other Christian causes. The term of the, that was used here of a benefactor was, was given to those who would fund various social enterprises. And Paul gives her a commendation because he knows her heart. Some people want to say, well, then she was wealthy. I can't find anywhere that it says that she's wealthy. For wealth does not make one generous any more than poverty makes one stingy. Does it? Not at all. You don't have to be stingy because you're in poverty and you don't have to be generous because you were wealthy. I was in Mexico many, many, many years ago. I was a college student. And I was there in this, in this church to, uh, uh, I was going to play guitar for them to sing in this, this church. They were really dragging the bottom of the barrel if they asked me to do this, but even in Mexico. And anyway, so I was there early in this, at this, uh, this church, in this uh, Mexican church, and there's a little boy that's there. Now, I knew something about the area, and I knew the children in the area, because I've been working with the children all week long. Those children would have two tortillas a day for their meals. Two tortillas a day, and that's all that we're going to get. Understand it. I'm there, you know, kind of tuning up my guitar, and, and this little boy walks up to me, and he offers me his tortilla. You know what I'm saying? I know that's the only, that's half of his meal for the whole day. And I, I, I want to say this something, folks. You know, we make a big splash when somebody gives a lot of money. So, you know, we say, oh, wow, look what they did. I challenge you to find a greater gift than that tortilla. Be honest with you. I can't find a gift greater than that. That little boy was generous. You don't have to be wealthy to be generous. So Paul urges the Romans to welcome her as one worthy of the saints. And what that really means is he tells them to support her. Support her as well. The evidence is here. Just because of this and many of the other words that I brought to you, and that the fact that there's nobody else that's mentioned in this, that Phoebe will not only deliver the letter, one of the most theological pieces that we've ever seen in the entire Bible, much less the New Testament, that she'll not only deliver the letter, but she's going to be the one that explains it to the Romans as well. So that Phoebe must have been well acquainted with Paul and with the theology that she was going to be able to explain it to the Romans. One person said, Phoebe carried under the folds of her robe the whole future of Christian theology. That's what it was. That's who this was. 
She was, exp- she was capable of explaining this theology, something that a lot of preachers can't explain, by the way. And Paul gives her such accolades that we must assume that she is very close to his level of understanding of theology. And this woman, given the name Phoebe, would have been a Gentile, not a Jew. Not a Jew, but a Gentile. Imagine that. Phoebe was an amazing woman. She was a follower of Jesus. She was a leader as a deacon in the church. She was a generous widow. She was worthy of being supported by the saints. So what? So what, you say? I would say, this is what? Are you a follower or a fan of Jesus? Are you a person that could be trusted with carrying the anything, any of the scriptures to anybody? Because you have been given that task. We've all been given that task of sharing the scriptures with our neighbors and with our friends and with our family. Every last one of us, male and female, as far as that goes. See, lots of people make a profession of faith, but they cannot be found in the church by the, uh, by the church today. We can't even find them sometimes. You wouldn't believe how many people we had on our road. We didn't even know where they were. We don't know whatever happened to them. And, and the, the truth is, is that every church I have been in, that has been true. We've always had people on our rolls. We didn't know where they were because they were just a fan. And when they left, they never went anywhere else. They may still be in town. They just never gave us another address. They never, ever made any contact. They never, they just disappeared. And so lots of people, lots of people, they hide in the church. And lots of times people are, are simply, they just don't do anything. Now, there's reasons to be inactive. I understand there's reasons to be inactive. There's times to be inactive. You'll be inactive when you're looking for your place to serve. I understand that. You're inactive and you, you're just looking. But your heart is, I want to do what the Lord wants me to do. I want him to lead me into what I want to do. You can be active when you make a transition from one church to another because you don't know what's going on at that church. And you really need to kind of get your feet on the ground. I understand all of that. You can be inactive when you're incapable of doing anything. What I'm trying to say is is that there comes a point in which you might be incapable, but there are some things that you are not incapable of when you say you're incapable of everything. Because you can't be, there's, it's, well, it's not impossible, but it's very hard to be incapable of praying. It is very hard to be incapable. And I want you to hear this, folks. One of the greatest things that a person can do is pray and especially pray for the church. For if there's anything that we need more, I don't know what it is, is that I don't, I I think we need prayer because we need God's spirit in our church. We need to know that he's here with us, not because we, he's just simply here. I I got this cartoon and it's this pastor and he's down on his knees and he's just pouring out his heart to God. And his secretary opens the door and says, oh, good, you're not busy. You know, I'm going, oh, yes, you are busy. You can serve in that way. You can pray during the services. We have a prayer room back here for people to pray during the services. We have prayer on Wednesdays. We have prayer on Tuesdays. We, we have personal prayer times. You know, we don't need to pray just for, for missions and raising money and when we're in big trouble at church. We should be praying all of the time. So say, are you a leader in the church? You don't need to be ordained as a deacon. 
You don't need to be a Sunday school teacher and you don't need to lead a committee. A leader has a direction that he or she is going. Your testimony may be the primary source of your leadership. You have a quiet time. You have a time where you pray. You have a time where you show love for others. You share your faith and you truly worship. And what what I'm trying to say to you is you will see people that are watching you if you look around. And they're looking to say, is this a follower of Jesus Christ? If they're a follower of Jesus Christ and you're doing it right, they may say, I want to do what you're doing. A leader is defined as someone who has followers. And your leading may be being that example that they need. They need to watch you. And watching you may be the biggest thing that happens. Just watching you do what you do in terms of your, your faith and your, your walk with the Lord. You know, I, I watch YouTube a lot to fix my car. Even when I put a headlight bulb in. I was putting a headlight bulb in. And I said, you know what? I need to go watch the YouTube video first on that. I went and looked at the YouTube video and there was a little latch back behind the thing that you could pop out and you could get that little bulb in there. You couldn't see it from the advantage point of, you know, getting your head, even getting your head over in there. You couldn't see it, but it was down under there. And because I had seen it on that video, I was able to just pop that out, put it in. And within two or three minutes, I replaced the bulb. And I guarantee you it would have taken me two hours if I hadn't seen, had somebody show me how to do it. Let me tell you what you're doing. As a believer, you want to have people that are followers. You have people watch what you're doing. Are you generous? I'm not asking you how much do you give, but do people know you as being generous or do they know you as being stingy? Just think about that for a moment. Now, I want you to know you need to be generous with self-control. And I've seen it when it gets out of hand. You see, you cannot and should not give to every need. I'm going to tell you that up front. You cannot do it. There are too many that are out there. And you cannot help every person. But you have to ask yourself some questions. First question is, will my gift make a difference? Will my gift make a difference? Sometimes there's a gift that you give and it makes no difference at all. You know, you say, what will, and part of that is, what will my gift most likely be used for? There have been many times when I have, I have uh, been confronted by somebody who says that they need food and such, and I have given them money, and I said, you're not going to use this for whatever, you know, and the alcohol usually. And they'd say, no, 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 I'm going to use it for food. I used to follow them directly to the liquor store every time. You know what I'm saying? And, and I got to the point where I, I said, I can't do that. I have to do the, something different from that. And that doesn't mean don't give, by the way. Is this a legitimate need? you got to answer that question. Is this need legitimate? You may get a call, and you may get lots of calls, by the way. But if you get somebody, a call from the, somebody claiming to be from the National Police Foundation, and I, I looked this up right after, while I was doing the sermon, I looked it up. I told them, no way. The, it, here's what it says on the National Police Foundation website. It says, the police foundation does not solicit donations from anyone via phone. It was a scam is what it was. You have to understand, is it a legitimate need? No, it was a legitimate scam. That's what I found out. It says, where is the Holy Spirit leading me? I realize this is subjective. 
But the thing about it is, I, I, had a, I had a guy one time here. He told me this elaborate story. It was the best story I'd ever heard. I actually should have given him some money just because of the story, because I could. It was just a great story. He, had, he and his wife were joined the circus, and they had made it all the way to Norfolk, and they decided the circus life was no longer for them, and they needed to go back down south. Well, I can't remember where it was in south. But then they'd gotten bus tickets, but they didn't have any uh, money to buy food along the way. And they were wondering, he was wondering if I would give him any uh, money for food. And I said, you're telling me that you walked all the way from the Norfolk bus station all the way to Thalia Lynn Baptist Church and you're just looking for money for 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 food and he said yes I said that is the greatest story I've ever heard I said I just don't believe you (laughs) that's what I told him I don't believe you I found out the next day he'd already been at the church and we'd already given him food so this was the situation but you have to let the Holy Spirit lead you sometimes and sometimes the Holy Spirit's going to say no you just have to be able to do this. And I realize I've become jaded. I, I realized just the other day I gave some guy some money out of my own pocket. You know what I'm saying? But sometimes you just have to listen to the Holy Spirit and you've got to do it. Third, next question I have. Are you commendable? You know, here's the situation. If you do what God leads you to do, you will be commendable to do something else. That's the way it works everywhere else. It works here too. So will you, are you willing to take on the task? Would you be willing to be a greeter? Would you be willing to operate the cameras that we've got around here that you can see? And learn how to do it. You'd have to do that. Would you be one of the people that decorate our church at times, and especially at Christmas and such? Would you be a committee member or, or maybe someone who runs, helps run the sound back there? Or maybe working in the food pantry or prayer warrior? All right, whatever. Would you be willing to do that? Would you become one of those commendable people? Don't tell me what you can't do. Tell me what you can do. That's what I would say to everybody. One of the bad things that happened during the pandemic, I know that sicknesses and deaths, and I'm, I'm not trying to uh, say those weren't bad. I'm not saying that business is going out of business. That, that was bad. I'm not trying to say that. But what happened is, is that we became isolated people. And if you've seen it, you'll see it out on the road where people are screaming and yelling at each other and everything else. When, when, we, when we're isolated from each other, we don't get to know each other. And when we don't get to know each other, what happens to us is we become a people that are, I'm going to keep my stuff and I'm going to keep my stuff and I'm not going to let anybody have any of my stuff and that's all I'm going to be. And what has happened, because people weren't going to church, people weren't getting out, and all of that became isolated. And isolated people become disconnected. That's what has happened. We need to reconnect is what we really need to do. We need to reconnect, because when we reconnect, and what we do is, we become those followers of Jesus Christ, which we find. (laughs) Somebody is following you. Pray with me. Father, I thank you for being the God that you 